Uh, I did want to ask if you wanted to do a bit where, like, I act like I hadn't seen it before or we hadn't done a podcast on it. Yeah, so this is definitely the most egregiously we've ever broken the rules of the podcast, but I yes. think <laughs> I think it fits. It works as a gimmick. And we didn't do it last year. It's two years in between, so. Yes, exactly. Who knows how long it's been? It's impossible to tell. Could have been 10,000 years. <laughs> That's what some people think. There's a, he learns a, a lot of skills. He learns a lot of skills. It can't be quick. We, um... We'll, we'll we'll get into it first. Let's get into opening the episode. As you guys know, I don't know how to start the podcast. So it'll either be, I'm not sure how much of that we're going to keep or something along the lines of welcome to late to the movies. My name is Ben Holt and this is a podcast where my friends and I get to fill in our movie blind spots. Each week we'll pick a film that either I or a guest hadn't seen before and really should have by now. This week, the movie for the first time for the 10,000th time, who knows? It's Groundhog Day, 1993's Harold Ramis directed bill murray starring movie i forgot yet i already used the word movie and film and i wanted a third one to describe what this is um picture show there it is feature Um, feature feature film um yeah that's what we're talking about today before we get there though my guess your guess left right across your podcast dial or clockwise across your discord screen craig's here producing anthony's here talking ben ben holt i thought that was you Ugh, first steps a doozy. Uh, Sam's here. I didn't have a bit ready. Uh, Anthony always has on, a bit ready. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pretend to up. choke on. I'm gonna pretend to choke on steak. <laughs> <laughs> You're like Bill Murray's brother. Um, yep. This month, we are once again returning to not just a theme we've done before, but the very first theme we ever did in February of 2022 which was rom-coms groundhog day. We did January 31st that year. And I think sort of, it was the closest date that an episode was coming out to groundhog day, but also a transition into romantic comedies, which this kind of is, um, not, you know what, for the sake of this month's theme, I'm going to say definitely not kind of, it is a romantic comedy. <laughs> 100% is. There's other stuff and probably other things we're going to focus on, but yeah, yeah. hundred percent. Um, but yeah, so, so a few, a few different milestones here are, that we're revisiting. Um, it's rom-com month strikes back. We got some different rom-coms. It's not just going to be four of the same ones we did that time two years ago. But I thought for Groundhog Day, it was too funny of an idea for me not to do. That's why I end up with elaborately themed birthday parties as well. <laughs> um, anyway. That I'm looking forward to, but I won't tease what I'm doing. What's the theme? So yeah, the theme is both birds and Larry Bird because I'm turning 33. So. <laughs> Jesus didn't make the cut in this one. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about that. Well, you gotta keep that. He left out the most important guy who died at 33. <laughs> to be clear, Larry Bird didn't die at the <laughs> No, that's true, right? Those are the overall theme. (laughs) Those are independent thoughts. Those are two independent thoughts. There's tears in my eyes. (laughs) I I did. I left out the most important guy. Uh. My bad. Uh, Yeah, entering my Jesus era. Um, Hopefully not, for your sake. (laughs) We'll see. I mean, the way things are going... 
uh, pilot's mad at me. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's a, Bravo, well, it's man fires against you. Yep. Yeah. I hate to see it. Sacrilegious side. Um, this movie also is potentially not, you know what? I was going to try and transition into how every religion has at least a few people who think this movie is about their religion, but we can't yeah. talk about the movie yet. It would have been a perfect transition, but instead I have to ask, what have you guys seen recently? I, I've seen one movie recently that I could speak about in between okay. the last movie or the last time I was here. Yeah, you're on back to back uh, episodes, so it is. Yeah. Um, we saw um, that Jake Johnson directed movie, Self Reliance, I think is what it is. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so he, um, he, 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 I think he directed, wrote, and stars in it. It's basically like a, the most dangerous game type thing where he's down on his luck and he runs into actual Andy Samberg. It's Andy Samberg playing Andy Samberg, uh, just being like, hey, get in the car with me. And he goes and finds two guys that are just like, do you want to essentially do the plot of the most dangerous game? For those that don't know, uh, that's basically you're getting hunted. Uh, for money as it like by humans as a human um and if he survives a month he gets a million dollars it was one of those movies uh i got done with it i i enjoyed it a lot i felt like it had a lot to say that i hadn't like you know like i'm one of those people that i'm just starting to kind of appreciate the like minutia of like satire and stuff and and things i i was I, i was a dumb movie watcher shall we say uh um like for most of my life and I was like, oh, this movie definitely had a point. <laughs> uh, and I, I almost feel like I want to watch it again to try to get like a little more of... I think it's mostly Jake Johnson trying to tell a story about not letting, you know, like your life pass you by while all having like, you know, the outrageous satirical slash almost like parody plot of like, you know, literally getting hunted out of your comfort zone. Um, okay. But yeah, I wouldn't say it's like crazy good, but... uh it's very quick. I think it's under ninety minutes. Yeah, it's, it's super fast. It's it's Lonely Planet too, right? I think I think Lonely Lonely Planet produces it. Uh, Lonely Planet? I'm not familiar with Lonely Planet. Lonely Island. Lonely, Lonely, yeah. Island. Oh, Lonely Island. Lonely Island. Lonely Island. I, we knew it, what yeah. you meant. We knew what you meant. I close enough. I, I I am I am enough that I'm just like Lonely Planet sounds like a cool name for something. So <laughs> I think it's a website for like. They're a travel, travel? Guide. yeah. They're a travel yeah, guide yeah, book yeah. publisher. So unfortunately, oh, already books. taken, already taken. Can't steal that from my own comedy band slash media. I, th- I think that's a case where those are different enough that you could make a legal argument that they won't be confused. Yeah, so you have to sue you. You have so. to pass like the Coke test of like you can't make anything else named Coke because it's too pervasive of an IP. Yeah. Versus, I think the most famous one is that there's a Hershey's ice cream company. That's not Hershey's chocolate because they got in before Hershey's was so everywhere. Uh, but then they started trying to make ice cream that looked too much like the Hershey's logo. And then like a court was like, we know what you're doing. Stop that. <laughs> like, don't, don't do that. So now every Hershey's ice cream thing has to say Hershey's ice cream company not affiliated with Hershey's chocolate on it. Fun mm, facts. That you'll is find a fun them, fact. You'll find Hershey's ice cream at crappy gas stations. <laughs> oh, can't wait. Yep. But yeah, um, that's uh, the only thing I've seen. I thought it was fine. Uh, it sounds fine. fine. <laughs> worth, worth, worth checking out. I love Jake Johnson. So worth checking out if you like Jake Johnson. Yeah, that's fair. I probably will do the same for the same reason. Uh, Nick on New Girl, if in case that's... Oh, yeah, fair. People who aren't us with our dumb brains. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, and, and uh, Anna Kendrick was pretty good in it, I thought. Yeah, Anna Kendrick doing Anna Kendrick things. She did. She's kind of in between her like blockbuster movie Anna Kendrick look and her like mumblecore, like sarcastic person. She kind of lands right yeah, in the yeah. middle, which is like yeah. actually kind of refreshing for her. <laughs> um, I like Anna Kendrick, but I feel like she kind of just does two things. So it was nice to kind of right, see her yeah. be much more like anxious and like reactionary kind of. Yeah, I hear you on that one. Yeah, I like Anna Kendrick. She's from Maine. Big, big Maine. I Go feel Maine. like she has big Maine energy. I don't know. Yep. <laughs> I don't know she does have it. that, like, I, I'm i super famous, but also from Maine. So, like, I always have yeah. to be at least 30% yeah. down to earth. Kind of down to earth, right? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I'm, I'm glad wish... you turned that into a more insightful thing that I said. <laughs> I, just, I hope she's in more stuff. I feel like she stayed in her lane for like 10 years and she got pigeonholed and I think in Into her, the Woods might have killed her. In her defense, me and my sister are the only people who went to see uh, Simple Favor in theaters and yeah. she's great in that. And she definitely is like outside of her normal, you know, um, bailiwick in that one. So Is that the one that she did with the girl from Letterkenny? Um, Blake Lively? Nope. <laughs> Unless I missed some Letterkenny stuff. Uh, she did a she did a movie recently with the girl who was oh I can't remember her name. It's a Paul Feig movie. Post Paul Feig making movies that people see. Oh, but, um, but I mean Blake Lively and Anna Kendrick, and it's like a dark comedy. It's it's actually pretty good. That sounds interesting. I'm surprised that pretty good. By me. You'd you'd like it. It's weird. <laughs> What's it called again? Uh, a simple favor. It's 2018, so it's post Ghostbusters. Paul Feig, which explains, you know. I gotcha. Oh, I definitely saw like posters for this, but I completely forgot it existed. Yes. Yeah, I've, n- I've never seen it. Pretty good. <laughs> I'm not like it's not going to change your life, but like, yeah, <laughs> a good time. The movie with the Letterkenny woman that I was thinking of was Alice Darling, which I have not oh. seen, which came out last year. And it's Tannis from Letterkenny. Kano uh, T. Oh, I'm going to mess up her first name, but it's like Kano T.O. Horn or something. Uh, anything else? I don't know, Anthony, if you've seen anything recently. You, you've been a full month gap between episodes. Yeah. Um, no, I've seen some uh, off the Academy nominee list. Um, sure. Anatomy of a Fall, I thought was uh, kind of boring and a little overrated. You can uh, tell me that you fell asleep. Yeah, I fell asleep. <laughs> I, I, I'm not to interrupt you, but I that was like the oh, only that... Academy Award movie that I was like, ooh, that would actually seems really fun. So I'm. Sad. I mean, a lot of people really like it, but I haven't okay. seen it either. So grain of salt. I, I wouldn't say too. it's fun. It's not definitely not fun. Well, fun, yeah, fun might not be the right word. But I love a. <laughs> you can get the, into it. The plot seems very intriguing. Yeah. 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 I, no, I'll give it that. The plot is pretty good, uh, but it's just kind of like. I, I don't know how to, it's too, it's kind of boring to me. It was just kind of boring. I found it kind of boring, but it, it, I, okay. yes, it is a pretty good movie. I see why I was nominated, but the better option of, I think that should win is the holdovers. And I, I hope Paul Giamatti wins best actor. Cause that, yeah. that was excellent. It's gone over pretty well in the Oscars discord server. I'm in, um, we're all having a great time trying to identify the different locations. I know you were excited to see Fairhaven high is one of the many different Massachusetts schools they use as a setting. Yep. Um, and then just like generally New Englandy stuff happening. And then, I mean, the third act takes place within, you know, four or five blocks of the state house. So, 
Yeah. That was cool too. Sam Lagrasses is in the background of a shot and that made me miss yep. Sam Lagrasses quite a bit. The Pleasant Cafe, <laughs> though when they're in the bar and they get he gets almost beat up by those two guys, they're inside the Pleasant Cafe, uh, which is right oh. over here in uh Yeah, yeah. West Roxbury. And um when they're in the gym too, when they're at uh Barton High in the gym, if you look at the when they do like the wide shot of the gym, the banners on the wall are all the Massachusetts academies like Tabor Academy, uh, I think it's uh, Groton Academy, Deerfield Academy. That was pretty cool. That was a pretty cool reference. Yeah. Uh, aside from, uh, that is a cool reference. Aside from just the stuff that uh, I, I get, you know, the visceral thrill, go, oh, I, 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 that looks like a place I've been. Um, the, 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 I mean, the performances and the writing in that movie are great too. Oh yeah. And, uh, Paul Giamatti nails it. He, he hits it out of the park. I, I, that's, it was, that was a great film. I, he should win for that. Um, I know he, he came short on Cinderella man for best supporting actor back in the day, but yeah, he should definitely win for this. It's tough. It feels like the, the Oppenheimer train might just roll through so many different categories and Killian Murphy's awesome in that. But, um, I mean, Giamatti's awesome in this too. It's tough. Yeah. But, no, I hear you. I think I think I mentioned this before. I've, I just have no interest in seeing Oppenheimer. I, I know I heard it's really good. It probably is Chris really good. Chris Nolan, obviously. But I I don't know. Is it Inception? Is it, um, you know, Batman? I, I don't know. I, I just who cares? I, I don't I really I don't really care about that story. So I, I pretty, hope it doesn't win. It's pretty up there for me in the Nolan rankings. I, I really, really liked it quite a bit. Where would you put it in the Nolan rankings? I'm actually curious because I haven't seen it as well. And I'm more prone to history movies. Somewhere in the top four. Well, okay. Under, no way is it better than Dark Knight. No, no way. I would at the moment. It's I mean, it's really hard to separate Dark Knight from where I was like, it, I was, you know, it came out, I was, I think a junior in high school and stuff like that just mattered more to me then, you know? I also um, think dark Knight like kind of gets hit from being too long in a, in a third act that it wasn't probably originally going to have until Heath Ledger passed away. So like, yeah, I think that would have been a lot tighter of a movie, but it still stands very high. Um, So I'd probably have the only ones I'd think of putting above it are um memento dark knight and prestige oh yeah I, a memento i'll give you that one yeah that's true memento that's, that's for that's sure like, yeah. i like that's what Kirk a lot too that that's the thing for me is i actually really like pretty much all of nolan's movies yeah I, I, i've been waiting to watch inception with brie because she's never seen it and at one point inception was my favorite movie it's not anymore but i haven't seen it in like 10 years so i also think it might be fun to watch it again as an adult a real adult i was an adult when i saw it but i wasn't really <laughs> yeah it's great yeah, yeah. it's yeah. really yeah. good I hear you on that one. <laughs> but, but before we get into the rest of this podcast we can we take a moment of silence for just just to bring in every episode of mine is an connection but yes. we need a moment of silence for the great call weathers apollo the creed legend. more importantly uh dylan from predator that's my arnold connection for the week <laughs> We haven't done Rocky yet, so yeah, that's our uh, connection too. Is uh, Predator Actor Jackson? I don't. Who's going to be grief now? I don't know. It's yeah, that sucks. He he does. He never felt. I mean, he's was what seventy something. Seventy two, I think. Yeah, he still, he still didn't feel that old. I don't know. It, yeah, it's, no, it's not, that's young. Yeah, and like yeah, the seven like when you were a kid, seventies felt like ancient, 
and then like as you get older and you yeah. see people in your 70s and you work with people your you know family members get to be 70 you're like oh no that's that's old for sure but it's still kicking right you, you still go to the bank by yourself you know like he's still doing stuff i think he's in a i just saw him in a commercial like earlier this week he still looks like carl weathers you know he's, yeah so sure. i don't know uh we haven't he's done him uh, more we'll get there eventually he's in the gronk commercial for the super bowl right yeah yeah exactly that's the commercial i saw not to I, I like all due respect to carl weathers you know r.i.p and all that just a real quick super bowl commercial thing do you guys see the paramount one yet the viral one that's going around early no uh i don't want to spoil it even though it's right off the bat but like patrick stewart throws arnold from hey arnold like a football to creed's higher or something like there's it's one of those classic like okay millennials yeah, look, what are you saying yeah no that's a real thing that's a real fucking thing unless somebody hired a lot of people to trick me <laughs> like um uh what are they doing no. they're gonna make a live action hey arnold so they kind of just have they just kind of have hey arnold as a cartoon there and like drew barrymore's there and like there's other people that are on paramount and then patrick stewart yells something about like like two is there and he's like i can't throw hey arnold and then uh patrick stewart's like i'm gonna throw him and creed's here for some reason and i'm just like yep okay we finally i was waiting for when the millennials are in charge of marketing they are now (laughs) they're they're 100 there my God, like move it, football head. That's my best Drew Barrymore. I don't know. That's that's what I <laughs> She's got. She's defending Hey her. Arnold. She's like, you can't throw Arnold, but probably like whinier. Like you can't throw Arnold. No yeah, one yeah. ever threw him. It wasn't his thing. <laughs> it wasn't. It never was. <laughs> they, they actually they got stopped entirely. Ugh, it was. It's a lot. It was still funny. I. It was one of those things where I was like, I hate that this is working. Oh yeah, Thomas Lennon's in that commercial. Bree just said in the background. <laughs> it's really funny that after all that, you build to they got Scott Stapp for this. Like he's hard to get. It's more right, like right, right. they're even bothering doing anything. Just play Creed. You don't need him. <laughs> it's that they got it. They found Scott Stapp for this. <laughs> they found him walking walking around an alleyway, just searching for yeah. work. You can um, cut that. Obviously, it's just I. I, I it's all that's been in my head. <laughs> A lot, a lot of elements in that commercial. It sounds like you you throw them all in a pot, add some broth, add a potato. Baby, you got yourself a stew. There you go. Rip Carl Weathers. Now I got to bring it back. Yep. Now I have to keep it all because it turned yep. into a Carl Weathers reference. Uh. <laughs> anyway. The, the greatest handshake in action movie history. Gotta be. Well, yeah. 100%. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So let's uh, let's talk about the movie that we're here to talk about. Which is, of course, once again, starting off rom-com month strikes back. It is, I forgot for a second, that's why I was vamping. It's Groundhog Day again. (laughs) Um, So instead of saying whether or not we've seen this movie before, uh, Sam, I've podcasted about this movie before. How about you? I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) We never never established if we were going to do that as a bit or not. (laughs) And what? And then watching this movie, I was like, it's not Bill Murray's bit in this movie. He knows what's going on. Yeah. So that's why I thought it would make more sense than I did. But yeah, no, we've pod- we podcasted about this two years ago. Yep. Uh, Anthony, you, you haven't before, though, I assume. I have not. There you go. So but it I've counts. Seen, I've seen this about 100 times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think most people have. Um, but like I said, I think it's a specific situation. Uh, I suppose in that case... 
is it any of us can do a one minute plot summary. You're both usually the guy that does it on your respective episodes, but Anthony might have something prepared. So I want to give him that opportunity. Uh, uh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it to Sam. I, I don't have something prepared. I've messed that up. Jeez. I wasn't ready it's either. I was really happy to hear like, Oh, <laughs> what if we just throw it to bed? What if we make bed do it? <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. yeah it's it's weird. We're topsy turvy here. I, uh, I listened back to our episode and Cade actually did it on that one. So I actually didn't even do it last time. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. I can do it though. Sure. But yeah. Start uh, the clock. <laughs> oh no. I already messed up. Cause in my head, I went weatherman, Phil Collins. It's like, that's his name. <laughs> it's a lot different movie. <laughs> From Genesis is uh, he works for a Pittsburgh weather station and he's once a year dreads an assignment where he has to go to Punxsutawney to cover Groundhog Day from Gobbler's Knob and uh, he hates it so much. He's like kind of a dick for the first most of the movie. Um, but then he has to start reliving Groundhog Day over and over again. He's confused at first, but then he starts using it to his advantage. Then he gets depressed. And kills himself a bunch of times. Then he starts making the most of it. Um, he, at all times, is manipulating people against their will. We will discuss whether or not that's ethically gray or just ethically bad, just without qualifiers. <laughs> we'll see what happens. It's romantic. Andy McDowell's here, too. That's all I got. I'm done. Good for them. <laughs> I hope you keep me just saying good for them without context. <laughs> In this movie, Andy McDowell. Um, so is Chris Elliott, Bill Murray, we mentioned earlier, but not in the plot summary. Uh, Bill Murray's brother, Stephen Tobolowsky, memorably in it as well. And that's basically it. Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon. Yeah. Yeah. He loves WrestleMania. He loves WrestleMania WrestleMania in Pittsburgh, which I don't think WrestleMania has ever been. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's tough. (laughs) Yeah. What are you going to do? And Harold Ramitz. Harold Ramis does have a cameo. Oh, and also I noticed this time, but not last time. The psychiatrist is, um, I can't think of the actor's name. He's like a character actor in comedies a lot. Uh, well, as, as you can tell, we've prepared fully for this. Episode. Yeah, fully. Uh, he's he's the he's um in Veep. He is Julia Louis Dreyfus's character's husband who like constantly cheats on her. Oh, absolutely. That guy has such a. Yeah, you said that. I'm immediately his like, like, that's David, his face. I want to say David Pasquale, but I think that's someone else. That you're thinking of um, the robot chicken who makes pizza for Chuck E. Cheese. I am. It's David Pasquezzi. I was close. <laughs> I saw what oh, you did yeah, there. Okay. I burned yeah. through it. <laughs> you're still laughing at yourself over there. It is a good one. <laughs> um... I just don't know if he's a chicken or not. I couldn't get there fast enough, but it's okay. No, so he's just a guy. <laughs> God damn it. He's just a guy who hangs out with a big rat. That's even worse. That's yeah. It's like Alvin the Chipmunks type situation. We're off is, base. Is Michael Shannon credited in this? No, I th- I don't think he is. Yeah. Oh, he he is. Never mind. No, he's he is. Yeah. <laughs> Coming back in three. <laughs> I mean, he'd be very low down the cast list. He's in two scenes and has a total like, of like five lines. He was literally yeah. like 19. It was actually, I looked that up earlier. Um, <laughs> kind of crazy how young he was. 
Yeah. So we're kind of vamping, but we should talk more to Anthony. I know you've seen this a hundred times, but we we talked about this last time. Some of the stuff we did talk about last time. Um, I know we touched on Harold Ramis and Bill Murray's broken relationship. Mm-hmm. Bill Murray, I think just yesterday, as we're recording this, dedicated uh, Harold Ramis Day in Punxsutawney. So, you know, yep. a little maybe too late to some. Um, but hey, anyway, uh, we talked a lot about that and Ramis in general, because I think this was our first Ramis thing that we did. It might have been our first Murray thing also. That sounds. Well, let, me, let me ask you guys a question. You got. Let me ask you guys a question. Now. Do you ever feel like you have deja vu? <laughs> Didn't you just ask me that? It's good stuff. So, Anthony, uh, over a hundred times feels like safe to say one of your favorite movies. I, yeah. Th- no, this is right up there. One of uh, I think top seven movies in, of my lifetime. I normally wouldn't ask, but that was such a specific number. So, what? What is the seven? <laughs> Uh, do I have it listed? Uh, I'm not sure I could list them out, but you, know, you don't have to rank them. But yet. like, just what else is in the conversation? I'm curious. Oh, uh, Casablanca, Ground, um, The Dark Knight, uh, Top Gun, Maverick. Yeah. Okay. Specifically, Maverick. And I, I got to fill out the other three. Ma- Maverick. I think Maverick is better than the original. I agree. Actually, it's fun. It's good. Um, I, I just love that Glenn Powell. What a jaw. Um, Parasite, Parasite's up there. But the, I think this movie just hits all. It, I feel it hits all the high notes. It has a perfect script. It's got a perfect setup. I think Harold Ramis uh, nails it out of the park. Uh, it has a good flow to it. It's a very easy watch, and has it has a very redeeming. You know, has a Bill Murray is an unlikable character, but he redeems himself at the end, uh, even though it's questionable methods. You know, but yeah. it's a really uh, heartwarming story. I found myself feeling similarly as I did a couple of years ago when we watched it for the podcast, which was um, it takes it, it takes a while to kind of get cooking for me, but once they're in the loop, um, it becomes like such a, such an easy watch. I, and I really like the structure of it and it has so much of so many of the laughs or the stuff I find funny isn't necessarily jokes, but it's, how cleverly edited it is with scenes that restart halfway through and you just kind of pick up on, okay, so he's done the, he's the rest of the day has been the same up to this point, but he's just trying a couple different variables to try and get a different result. Mm, um, exactly. And I, I like all that stuff. The The middle part of the movie, I feel like the, the flow is, is pretty untouchable. Right. And watching it again and again, you sort of pick up on different, aspects of the film that maybe you don't pick up before like for example when he first walks past the homeless person before he meets uh needle nose ned the, there's a woman walking behind him in the street with a a sign that says phil but it's upside down as if like phil's having an upside down day and it just it just i don't i found that very interesting yeah there's there's little very touches creative. like that all around i think once the loop starts when he's in the cafe all the clocks are stopped if you you know if you can make him out on the wall behind him yeah so there's all stuff like that all over the place in this. And yeah, are you a big Bill Murray guy? Uh, I mean, Ghostbusters, Groundhog Day, Scrooge. Uh, Lost in Translation is terrible. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. This is a new podcast all of a sudden. I'm just going to mute myself, but you guys can add. No, 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 no. It's cool. No, it, it, when stuff like that comes up, it's more just like, 
You gotta uh, have a little diversity. You gotta have a little diversity. You can be on that episode. We can talk about it then. <laughs> but we do Sophia that, month. I thought that isn't it rom com month? Lost in translation. That's more just dramedy, you know. Rom coms, I feel like you want them to be that you want the com to be more you, you don't want them to be sad, I think. <laughs> I think ScarJo's great in that. She's also like 17 in that, so it's weird. Yeah. Um, um, well, well sorry, yeah, I did Groundhog stopped, Day before. Stopped, I mean, you um, dead in your tracks while you were talking about Murray. My, my fault. <laughs> no, what? Uh, Caddyshack. Yeah, is a good film, but also a little, also a little overrated. Well, not that it's overrated. The film just doesn't make any sense, as you guys talked about on that yes. podcast. Quite, quite, quite aggressively goes out of its way to not make sense. Because it bent to the whims of its stars, who demanded more screen time and plot lines. <laughs> Which it's uh, more of like a series of skits, not to the degree that like Monty Python, the Holy Grail is, but yeah, it right, kinda, it's right. all over the place. Though um, I will know. I love, <laughs> yeah, yeah, go, go, go ahead. I got nothing. <laughs> I was say, I love Bill. I love Bill Murray. His roles in um, the vast majority of the Wes Anderson movies that he's in. I love him in Kingpin. I love him in um, What About Bob. So. I have a hot take on Lost in Translation, but otherwise, yeah, I, I like Bill Murray. Okay. I uh, I haven't run into him at Patty's Pierogies or at the any of the random um, Southern New England haunts that he ends up in seemingly a couple times a year, but he, he's around sometimes too, which yeah, I appreciate. Yeah. He, he owns a minor league baseball team on the Cape, right? Or he owns one in South Carolina, something like that. They they play up here a okay. lot. I don't know. I don't know. Like I don't know. I mean, that sounds about right. I know he's always in Charleston, South Carolina, too, like photobombing yep. people's wedding photos and shit. So that would make sense. Um, okay. In this movie, though, he starts like just he's just the worst guy. And I think that's why uh, up until the loop starts happening and he's like on his back heels, he's to be that sort of uh, repulsive of a dude. He's also like very self-assured. And so I kind of need that to get taken away from him before I start like kind of getting getting into it, you know, because that guy just sucks for a while <laughs> to a degree that it's not even really a fun movie. Like, I no. still like the movie, but like the beginning is tough. Yeah. And and to be fair, it's not like people think he's funny. Everyone's like this fucking guy. Yeah. <laughs> no one likes being around him. I think in the last podcast you had a line or someone had a line. This is the least likable Bill Murray's been in a film ever is like the first 10 minutes of this movie. Yeah, that's probably true. And, and like obviously setting up a contrast with where he ends up at the end of the movie. Yes. Um, so that, which is important. I think it's also important that he and Annie McDowell's character Rita, um, they set up in the beginning of the movie that they haven't worked together before because it's hard to imagine someone who's known him for more than just the drive to Punxsutawney that morning coming around to who he is by the end of that day, you know? Yep. <laughs> or I guess the next day, because the, they sleep over the night before, after the drive. Um, one but thing I movie, did... Though, yeah, go ahead for it. Go for it. It's uh, Maybe it's a two on the nose, because Bill Murray is known as sort of a curmudgeon and kind of a jerk in real life. Mm-hmm. Even to Dan Aykroyd called him the hurricane because of his famous mood yeah. swings and his you know, obliterated cast members before. And even, I think it's some allegations of uh, some other things that go on in his life too. 
Yeah, I believe he was removed from Asteroid City in the role that Tom Hanks ended up playing. But I could, yeah, I, could, yeah. yep. I could have that wrong, but it was something like that. And for like Wes Anderson to not want to work with Bill Murray, that's there's there's stuff. I don't know if the it's explicitly ever been you know put out. Um, right. And I was going to say I was taking a drink of water, so I missed this this great joke when you said like, yeah, he's he's tough to work with. I I was going to say, just ask Harold Ramis's CGI ghost from the latest Ghostbusters film. <laughs> um, he quit. He quit mid mid ghost scene. <laughs> uh, gross. Um, <laughs> stop doing that, Hollywood. That man's dead. Let him rest. <laughs> anyway, that movie sucked. Uh, <laughs> Ghostbusters: Frozen Kingdom out soon. Uh, <laughs> Frozen King. Sorry, sorry. Frozen Empire because they're in New York, the Empire State. I, I hadn't oh, even I heard that... that there was a a new one coming out with the subtitle. Uh, it's called Ghostbusters Frozen Empire, and you have to take it seriously. Oh, my God. Is, is it that, another is that Paul like a Disney? No, it's a Disney cross with Elsa <laughs> in the movie Frozen. I'd be more excited about that. It's, um, let's just say, based on what it, where it looks like this movie is going, let's just say it looks like they let Aykroyd take a crack at the script. So, all right. They're taking That's... the ghost and supernatural stuff very seriously. So, Dan, I, I I pause to have any comments on Dan Aykroyd because I'm not exactly sure where he is on a uh, what mental dimension he's even in right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm at least interested. You know, well, yeah. that makes it more interesting. I mean, that's a man who's harnessed the power of crystal skulls to produce vodka, and you really just can't argue with that kind of business model. Mm-hmm. Oh, Kumail's in it. That could be nice. Nice. <laughs> Finn Wolfhard, um, I assume, still. Yes. Looks he like comes back. Else. Yep. Looks like everyone else is the same. Did you guys watch the last Ghostbusters movie? Just, just as as long as we're talking about Remus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not. Yeah. I heard from you that it was bad. The uh, Ghostbusters uh, the Afterlife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I thought it was okay. Were you Were you kind of off put by like a? a posthumous um Ramus character use is that uh he abandoned his family and <laughs> left them to like poverty and shit <laughs> and that's like the setup of the movie is this guy was a fucking deadbeat it's like <laughs> yeah dedicated well, to the memory of Harold Ramis like okay cool that guy that seemed like a stand up guy before that no, it just seems like a shitty thing to do to a guy's character who seemed like a yeah, normal guy yeah. in the previous Ghostbusters films. I don't know. <laughs> Why? Well, I, I mean, no, I, I hear you on that. It's kind of a crappy way to s- set up the premise of the film because then they then they gift him this the house with the all the artifacts in it and yeah. the car. So you have to get there at some point, but that's that, yeah. that's just how they chose to do it. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it is what it is. This movie, though, so he's there. He's in Punxsutawney. He does the stuff. He goes to bed. He wakes up. It's the same day. Man, oh, man, what a conundrum. Um, <laughs> I'm sure we asked this last time, but what's what what's the move? So he goes through a few different cycles of testing it out, taking advantage just to have you know fun and do what he wants, being depressed and killing himself repeatedly. And then eventually, like making the most of it and like helping people. Um, what what's the move? Where like where do where do you go first if this starts happening to you? 
Oh. First, you got you have to try to figure out how to get out of there. So if that's yeah, what's 100%. the way to get out. Yeah. And yeah. I, I feel like what Sam had said earlier about the self-reliance film, this film, right, this film is also kind of about not sort of not letting life pass you by and ma- making the most out of life, making the most out of your experiences and yeah. just try, trying to be a good person. Right. So I, th- I think it's similar. So yeah, I'm, I'm trying to do that first. Yeah, I agree. And um, if you've watched Palm Springs as well, which is a similar time loop movie, um, yeah. that's more recent with Annie Sandberg and Kristen, Mil- Christina Milotti, Kristen Milotti, uh, Kristen Milotti, Milotti. Um, I think they, they do it more from her perspective. I think she immediately is like, we got to get out of here. I think that would kind of be my same thing as you just start poking at stuff. Yeah. Um, especially if there's nothing driving it, like in either of those movies, you don't have like a, you know, like a, an omnipotent like force telling you like, Oh, like this is what you have to do to get out of here. Or, you know, or like you're in here because of this, like he doesn't know it's to learn a lesson or if it's just, you know, something so i wouldn't start trying to like kill myself until i think i was really 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 upset with the situation i think it would take me a long time to get there because i'd be too worried about actually dying yeah yeah i think you most most people would probably be like this is some kind of test and or maybe maybe this is some kind of test and i have to do one perfect day living life to the fullest. And then maybe if that didn't work, you'd go to the depression stage. Yeah. My first stage, I think would be to stay up as long, which is, I think what Andy Sandberg yes. says in, Palm they, they do that for sure. in Palm Springs. Yeah. yeah. They try. Like, cause he says his worst days are the days where he's in the hospital. Cause something messed up happened. And he's like kept awake for like 72 hours or something in pain. And then falls yeah. asleep and wakes up. What? But no, that's, that's a good point. Actually... Go ahead. I'll take my answer back. May I, maybe the first day I rob a bank. <laughs> Just see what that feels like. Then try to figure out a way out of there. How many? I thought about this while he was doing it. How many? How much of you would be worried that this was the one that stuck when you were doing yeah. stuff like that? Because they have oh, the one on the train question. tracks where he wakes up and he's literally pumped up about it. Because he's like, okay, yeah. thank, like, thank God that wasn't the one. Um, yeah. Is that, that the one where he's like asks the person in charge of the bed and breakfast like did any did any cops come or was that the one after he did rabs the bank oh I, I think it's that one yeah but i but i'd be doing the same thing like yeah was yeah. anyone looking for me any you know state employees with blue hats night six yep. guns <laughs> <laughs> and she says no are they <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's it's interesting in that movie too because you can't like you, they, they specifically frame it so he can't go anywhere um you'd obviously want that to happen on like a day you had off or a day you didn't have something like important or annoying to do um yes. because like theoretically like if he on the days that he doesn't go and assuming like there's a lot of them that he doesn't go to work like they're going to be looking for him like they're going to probably be like they're probably going to tell the cops to find you know like he can't just right. chill in his hotel room like so right yeah yeah, he mentioned some days he would have preferred it to happen on for sure. Yeah, but isn't isn't kind of the plot of this movie though? He falls in love with uh, Rita. Yep. The first day, like they get the punks, they get the punk punks and he falls in love with her. And then the le- the lesson learned is you can't be a jerk your whole life, or else you you won't get the girl. 
Yeah, I mean, especially if you're taking it from the perspective of when he tries, and I this is actually something that I think mirrors kind of my real life. When I tried in my youth, especially in like high school, to like get a girl's attention or stuff, I messed up real bad. But I feel like when I just lived my life and was myself, it worked a lot better. Which like I don't right. think Bill Murray's being himself at the end of that movie, but like sure. he is he's not going after her. He is just doing good stuff around the town. Right. And it yes. happens. She gets enamored by how interesting and cool he is versus right. him learning all the shit about her and just creepily repeating it over and over again. No, right. that's, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. It only works when other people tell her how, you know, great he is. It, yeah. And most of the movie, he's positioning himself to be the one telling her that he's great and that never works. Yep. Yeah. Even if yeah. she like is intrigued for a bit, ultimately it just never actually ends up working for him. It is interesting to me how much of a difference it is because, like, I feel like early on he's like she like it seems like he's kind of forever failed into the just the she doesn't you know she likes to things to move slow, you know like it just it just feels that way because like every time he mentions her them being like I'm in love with you she's like what are you talking about <laughs> you know anytime he wants her to stay the night he's just, she's just like I don't think that's a good idea. Um, so it's really just until he becomes like a whirlwind of like awesomeness, for lack of a better term, like he, that she's just kind of swept into it. Right. I think that's a good point. I think um, it's 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 tough and, and kind of because. Well, actually, I guess it's not because, yeah, when it ends up that she kind of falls back in love with him. It is on that last day where it's not stu- because he knows stuff about her in French poetry or whatever. And I guess it's a little bit because he does know that she likes men who play instruments. But she just appreciates that everyone in town is thanking him for stuff. And he seems like he's been nice to everybody. Right. <laughs> yep. So I guess that's yeah, a good yeah. that's a good message. If you if you if you take that part of it, I feel like. Uh, when the old ladies are hitting on him, he says, "Oh, they, they've been hitting on me all night." <laughs> how, how do they know you? Only you only been in town one. You only come to town once a year. <laughs> we d- we did talk about that too. How the fact that there's a lot of people who theoretically would have had like a five minute interaction with him all day that are acting like he's the best friend like they've ever had, like yes. the person that the woman at the diner that's like, you know, like I got ten dollars that says you're mine. It's like okay, so in the day that he pitched a perfect game, he probably just was nice to her in the diner and left. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, everyone can everyone knows all of the stuff he's done, I guess. But yeah, he's had that day especially. I mean, he's had at most about forty five seconds to a minute thirty with all these people because he yeah. has to keep moving. There's a he's thought on, that he's, a, he's on a tight schedule. Yeah. There's a there's a thought that I I thought of that I don't think I brought up in the last time because we talked about this phenomenon last time so I don't want to rehash too much but I think that um there's a little bit of discussion about how like like especially from Andy McDowell's perspective where like there's some sort of like part of them that remembers all of it like it's not a conscious thought but like Andy McDowell kind of mm. like at times is kind of alluding to the fact that she feels like she knows him better than she does. So like there might be some part of like the quote for lack of a better term, a soul, you know, that is getting affected by each one of these loops. 
Okay. Um, even if it's not, but like, I don't think they drill into that. I think it's more likely that Harold Ramis just had a fun line that he wanted to say because Andy McDowell's character does seem a bit spiritual. Um, so she does. It doesn't seem weird that she would say something. And I wish I remember what the actual line was, but it was something like that where she's like, I feel like I know you better than I, you know, like than I, than I should or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, we, we, yeah. She says, um, don't, don't you feel like, uh, yeah, don't you, do you believe in deja vu or don't, don't you feel like deja vu yeah. or something like that? True. They do have and that. Then and then the, didn't you just ask me that line? Yeah, hopefully. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think but Ben, you said, you said it takes you a long time to get into this movie, but right off the bat, it's hilariously funny when Needle Nose Ned shows up and that whole, <laughs> I mean, that whole like the stuff. The best yeah. joke in the film. I'm all in on the Tobolowski shit. That's got to be his breakout movie, right? Like, I think we talked about him last time. I don't want to go too hard, but like, he's been doing the same thing for decades. It's all good. Don't get me wrong, but it all, yeah. it's all Ned Ryerson. And I feel like he just found his like corner that he's like, oh, I do this very well. So right. I'm just going to do this with like little hooks the whole time. Yeah. If, if that were me, I would, I would be Ned Ryerson by the rest of my life. Yeah. He, every time he shows up in a movie or a show, I'm happy. I'm excited. Exactly. Like he's, yeah. he's on a whole, we, I mentioned it last time we watched the one day at the time, uh, one day at a time remake that they made for Netflix. And he's in it uh, as like a kind of like the fifth or sixth person in, and he's just playing like, I think he's like a doctor or a dentist just doing just doing um Tobolowski stuff and it's great. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean yeah. he's he he writes like uh he also writes a little bit. Um he wrote true stories, the David Byrne movie. So that's good. They had a documentary about <laughs> his birthday, which I've never seen, but it sounds fun. Yeah. No way. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like a tongue in cheek documentary about how like He's always a side character, and now the, his birthday's about him. <laughs> like it's, no. it's fun. It was, it was nice. like 2005. I've never even heard of it. I just saw it uh, yesterday when I was looking into it. And I was like, oh, I gotta watch that. That's really fun. I like that. Um, but the town, this uh, if you watch Shit's Creek and Roland Shit is in it, but it, this oh, yeah. town really feels like it. It's it is Shit's Creek, right? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. That's I compared Puxatawney to Shit's. They film. do, yeah. Yeah, they do look pretty similar, like just as towns. <laughs> and Chris Elliott's there, like you said. So, so that yeah. makes and it even the yokels, in, like the residents right. in the town, a bunch of yokels. Yeah, Ned Ryerson would fit right in in either place. <laughs> yeah, he'd, right. He'd be, he'd be Shit's Creek insurance salesman. Mm-hmm. He'd make that weird cat noise at the end. <laughs> yeah, that's uncalled for. I don't like that he does that. <laughs> he nails it though. <laughs> Um, I was trying to think there was something else that came up this time that was like, I was like, Oh, Oh, the, um, I kind of, I think I've seen this movie three or four times. I, I forgot about the whole side plot with the trying to keep the homeless person alive. Um, Oh, really? I feel yeah. like that one's pretty burned in in the brain. Cause that's like yeah. sort of the know. downest part. You know? I know. I don't know why it didn't. There were, um there you know there's a lot of other stuff i think basically everything i remember the like you know him going after nancy at the beginning very methodically and you know a bunch of other stuff but um yeah yeah because 
he tries to think that keeping the homeless guy alive is uh, the right thing to do, but the point of is for the homeless guy to die happy. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And yeah, and some people just, you know, it's just like their time. As yeah, the, which is what she keeps them. saying. Yeah. Yeah. It's still sad, though. <laughs> it is sad, and it's... I don't know. I mean, it's not as jarring of a difference as, like, the Clint Eastwood movie-going scene is, but... It is a that one I for that's one that I had forgotten. <laughs> you we, we, mentioned, we mentioned it last time where you were like I think we agreed that he just had this bit and he just basically forced Harold Ramis to do it. <laughs> oh yeah, that sounds correct. <laughs> like he refused to do that scene in any other way. You said it was a costume party. <laughs> I like when Not Nancy walks it. by and he says like, "Call me Bronco." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She doesn't remember me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that it's it's a funny quotable movie. Mm-hmm. That's true. I mean, it's it's a silly movie to sort of like narrow down, you know, plot by point by plot point. But we haven't talked about him uh, stealing the groundhog yet. I do love. I I love the, all the all the bits in the car so much. Uh, yeah. Check your corners, or you know, check your mirrors. Like, don't, don't drive, drive angry. angry. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess both of the times that he's driving a car towards uh, doom with the two drunk guys and then also with the groundhog are both both have a lot of quotes in them. Yeah. But yeah, obviously the one, one with the groundhog is the famous one where he actually has to have a groundhog. And I think, as we said last time, that groundhog was not easy to work with. No. Very cute groundhog. Yeah. It's fun when he's behind <laughs> a, the wheel. It's just a big rat. It is. That is true. It looks and rats awful. are already pretty big, but this one's bigger. There's something about large rodents. I don't know. They just look so... They look like they're constantly scheming, but in positive ways. Yeah. Like, they don't look like they're scheming to ruin your day. They just look like they're scheming, like, you know, that's what they're they were born to do. They are always just very close to, like, tenting their fingers. So yep. I think that's why. Which is, yeah, it's definitely part of it. Classic Mr. Burns pose. Yeah. Mr. Burns pose is extremely fidgety at all times. So. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're a capybara, then you're just the chillest thing that's ever existed. Yeah, man. They're just roly poly bro- boys. <laughs> push them right into the river. <laughs> they love it. They do. Well, wh- what do you think? What do you think is a better name? Is Puxatawney Film Phil the best name for the groundhog, or is Woodstock Willie a better name for the groundhog? <laughs> Woodstock Willie just feels a little try hard. I don't know. I, I think he's he's trying t- too much, and I don't like to see the sweat on these rodents. So, that's how I feel. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Because the the film the film is filmed in Woodstock, Illinois. That makes more sense. Yeah, I don't think I knew that. I, I guess I, I always assumed. Did, that. I was thinking, did we cover that last time? We might not have. I don't remember <laughs> covering that last time. Yeah, but I might have just forgot. I didn't listen to the whole podcast. I didn't have time. I didn't at all, so you're ahead of me at least. <laughs> I thought it would just be like two I'd be too in my head about no, we did that last time, and you know, I just wanted to flow. I just didn't want to make the same points because I actually was glad I forgot which one it was, but uh there were a couple times where I was like, Oh, I gotta make sure I talk about this, and I listened to the podcast back. I was like, Oh, I did. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, thing, but that's the groundhog day, that's the point. Yeah, that is kind of the fun yeah, of it, it? That was also like if it does happen, I'm fine with it because of that. And we I can was, say it was on purpose. I was hoping I did the plot summary. And I was going to word for word do the same plot summary, but I didn't. So I think it was fun. 
<laughs> so you would have had a bit planned. That's good. I, I did, but when Kate did it, I was like, ah, I don't want to do Kate's thing because no one would get it. <laughs> right. No, and like I didn't listen back, so I wouldn't have picked up on it. Yeah. Um, one thing that I did pick up on this time. So as he becomes more chill and becomes like a better person, he sounds more like Garfield. <laughs> now I feel like I have to watch it again. By the end of the movie, he's just doing Garfield. He's well, he's much more calm and confident. His so his thinking. tone becomes very disaffected. Yes. And very Garfield. And I know he later played Garfield's twice by mistake <laughs> according to him but he did it twice and i mean that's met the guy great. at that point it I is a great love, story i love the story that he just got a script from the cohen bro like a joel cohen and thought it was the cohen brothers and it was some other joel cohen <laughs> right um and when we did a garfield episode we did uh it's the great turkey charlie brown or whatever his thanksgiving special is named and we did um, Garfield's Terrible Day. It's Thanksgiving. Uh, Garfield's uh, owner, John, is a pervert, and it's Thanksgiving, and that's the theme of that episode. <laughs> um, we said, like, oh, Lorenzo Music's just doing a Bill Murray thing. I've never picked up on this before, but it's so obvious. Watching a Garfield short for the first time in my 30s, he's just doing a Bill Murray thing. And now I'm watching Bill Murray, and I'm like, maybe he's doing a Garfield thing. <laughs> Maybe we owe Lorenzo music at apology. <laughs> I'll I'll start drafting the letter. Hell, you have to send it to heaven. <laughs> oh, he's up there oh. with CGI Harold Ramis. <laughs> oh my God, this is. <laughs> I typed in Lorenzo music just because I was curious, and it just had a big picture of uh, Garfield. A, a big picture of no, it had a big picture of um Ghostbusters. Why? I don't know. Type in Lorenzo Music into Google. The first picture is Dave Coulier admits replacing Lorenzo Music on the real Ghostbusters. Oh, my <laughs> God. He finally admitted it. <laughs> We've been tracking this story for years. <laughs> um, finally, Lorenzo is cleared. Justice for Lorenzo. Justice for Lorenzo. Um, and his legal what? last name is music that's impossible right his legal last name is music but his first name isn't lorenzo <laughs> so it's gerald <laughs> gerald music <Nice>. gerald views <laughs> we got cut what all a that. great, what a great name yeah this is a great name I'm going to make a bunch of Lorenzo music references for the next 20 minutes and you can't stop me <laughs> I give this movie five Lorenzo <laughs> musics <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, uh, he sounds like Garfield more and more throughout the movie. Yeah, I can, I can, I can see where you're coming from with that. He's just kind of talking. Also, like you kind of hinted at this already, but Garfield's also a terrible Bill Murray movie. Yeah, I don't think I'm not going to fight you on that one. I, I don't. Oh, think. Does that even count? Yeah. Oh, it counts. I bet he wishes it wouldn't, but it counts. Uh, do we want to get into ratings? Yeah. Cool. All right. On a scale of 0.5 to 5, on any scale you're choosing aside from stars going up by halves, what would you give Groundhog Day? 
Sam, you can you can go first. Uh, I will give. I forgot what I gave it the first time. I assume I gave it a five. Um, it's definitely a four, five, or a five for me. I'm gonna just say five. Uh, and I'm gonna say five. Oh no, I had I got a vamp. Good thing this will get cut and post. Lorenzo um, music. I, I, can't, I can't get it out of my head. Lorenzo's stuck in my head. <laughs> um, I will give it uh five. Miss Walsh's English classes out of five. Nice, nice. Pretty good, pretty good. I, I give this film five toaster ovens in a bathtub out of five. <laughs> hmm. Oh, so close. Uh, I was looking on. We we weren't doing ratings last time. Oh, okay. I don't think. Or the earliest one I have drowned is draft day from April 2022. Perfect. No notes. So I don't think we were doing ratings yet. We so might have done said them, but not letterbox. Yeah, that's also possible. Um, now I got mad all over again because I am looking at the page where Kyle gave a Nightmare on Elm Street one one <laughs> out of five. <laughs> so now I'm mad. Um, because where does he get his powers? Okay, whatever. It's Freddy Krueger. Whatever doesn't matter. Um. I'm going to give Groundhog Day four and a half uh, first steps that are a doozy out of five. There you go. Nice. Nice. You got there. What, what's your, what's the most, what's your favorite quotable line from the film? I just, I, it, you can't really use it out of context, but I, I, my favorite delivery is probably the really excited time that, Murray receives Ned Ryerson. Ned Ryerson, and then punches him in the face. In the face. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, I I really like that. I like the Phil Phil Connors. I love the first step doozy. It's all that stuff. All the Toblaski stuff. Yeah, it really is. No, I I agree with you guys. He's a he's the best character in the film. But my my favorite quote is when he's real in the, the throes of depression and he's like, you want a prediction about the weather? You're asking the wrong Phil. It's going to be cold. It's going to be gray. And it's going to last the rest of your life. <laughs> I love to see good. a weatherman in real life. Just do that once on the weather. I love it. I, I, uh, I also like, I know you said it already earlier, Ben, but I do love the, when he says driving on the train tracks or whatever, and the drunk guy goes, I actually agree with that one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That one is. Oh, that's one I do agree with. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, we haven't established yet what the rom-com month strikes back question will be to tie everything together. I was thinking. I mean, the fallback is always, "What's your favorite X genre movie?" Right, and this being rom-com month, you know. What's your favorite rom-com? I you could also go like, who are your favorite rom-com people? You know, are you a, are you a Sandy, are you a Sandra Bullock guy, or a Julie Roberts guy? You can't be both. I, you I actually pick. like. I like that question of like the if you or if you could like cast the perfect rom-com between two people, who would it be? Yeah, yeah, age agnostic, so it can be you know '90s Julie Roberts if you want. Yeah. So let's do that. Okay, so this month's question. Putting you in the casting director's chair. What would you consider the perfect cast for a rom-com? And you can pick them from any era of their movie stardom. But yeah, 
And you don't have to do like the full supporting cast or whatever, but I guess do the leads, right? Yeah. And maybe it is people who have done many movies. Maybe it is like Hugh Grant and Sandra Bullock, but that's fine too. I I had a weird thought in my head, and I don't know if this will work. I'd love to have seen what a Adam Sandler, Meg Ryan rom-com would look like. Okay. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. I really like a lot of Meg Ryan rom-coms. I'm not crazy about so Adam Sandler's like, rom-coms. But... Is it like young sad Sandler with peak Meg Ryan? Is that the idea? Uh, I guess. I guess you could maybe age Meg. Maybe you could like if we're if we're t- if we're time bending. Maybe we get like a. 80s Meg Ryan and like a, I'd say early 2000s Adam Sandler. Okay, would yeah. kind of be my vibe. Um, they're not that up far apart in age, I don't think, but they hit their peaks at way different times. Right. Yeah. So he would be like pretty young. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that would be my favorite, but that was just like two names that popped in my head that just was like, what would that look like? That's interesting. Both pretty high energy. You know, yeah, like very high work. energy. It would definitely be one of the they hate each other at the beginning and then they start liking each other later. Like, it, I guess I'm picturing like you do when Harry met Sally, but instead of being an arrogant prick, it's just like some guy going hazy woozy hoozy the whole time. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I anyway. I go like cross generations. Like, I'd go for like a Cary Grant. Or uh, Errol Flynn, Humphrey Bogart with a modern f- female lead from today, like Sandra Bullock or uh, Emma Stone or something like that. <laughs> yeah, you said you said Bogart, and my first thought was Emma Stone. That would be, I, I would like that. I am unfortunately picturing Errol Flynn trying to like take Drew Barrymore on like a pirate ship and her just be like, oh no, <laughs> yeah, right. no thank you. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, he, Errol Flynn's in a great rom-com called It Happened One Night. I highly recommend. Oh, yeah. It's a great pick. I still haven't seen that. And that did that Grand Slam the Oscars? Is that one of the ones that did? Um, I think it's... I, I know just because um, Oppenheimer almost got the record for noms. So All About Eve was one of the other ones that got 14 noms. Oppenheimer got only 13. And I think it did. It won. It won. Titanic maybe got fourteen. I don't know about noms, but it did win Best Picture, Director, Actor, Actress, and Writing. Okay. So yeah. There you go. It's them, what? Cuckoo's Nest, and Silence of the Lambs are the only other ones that have done Jeez. that. Or even to the the reverse of like a modern day, uh, male lead with a old school like Ingrid Berman or Rita Hayworth, something like that. Yeah, I think that's I think fun. about I, Ingrid that, Bergman. That's where my mind went to was like crossing generations. Yeah, in two like the for me the two greatest rom coms, well the two best on screen chemistry is Bergman and Bogart and Casablanca, and they they hated each other in real life, and then Swayze and Jennifer Grey in Dirty Dancing who couldn't stand each other filming that whole movie and no no one liked patrick swayze because he was such a jerk and he was such a jerk to her but the the on-screen chemistry is just so good it is good to shame yeah to shame carrie always didn't get more of a rom-com uh uh runway yeah 
I feel like he he could have crushed there, and he just he got Princess Bride, which like isn't really even a rom com, but it is and it isn't. It was on the short list for like if we want to do you know non standard rom coms this month, but I think we're keeping it more traditional. Uh, what would be the worst? I, I know we can cut that, but I'm just curious. Like Zoe Deschanel and Matthew McConaughey, worst worst two you can do. Oh yeah, that's that's a good one. <laughs> that, 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 that would be a worst. <laughs> terrible that's film. Not- that's such I'm a sad. bad movie. <laughs> I thought, I'm like, I don't know, like, I was gonna say Jonah Hill and whoever he was starring opposite of in the Eddie Murphy movie that came out last year. <laughs> so that movie wasn't good, um, but it had fun. Mo- I did watch that. Mo- I did watch that movie. It had fun moments, but boy, is Jonah Hill just a very unenjoyable person in that movie. Matt Matthew McConaughey would be like. Time is a flat circle, and Zoe Deschanel would just be singing some dumb song. You well, know? if you think so. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> oh, there you go again. There yeah. are people, the people that do accurate Zoe Deschanel impressions, like, send me to a horrible place. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, it's just not good. I love New Girl. New Girl's great. Uh, I misinterpreted 500 Days of Summer in college, and I loved that movie for a while. Um, you know what a lot hilarious. of guys did? No, it's hilarious because they talk about misunderstanding the graduate in that movie, which is the same thing. The guy called his shot and then he did it. Um, but uh, I'm fine with that movie now. I had a bell curve of liking it for the wrong reasons, hating it for the right reasons, then liking it again yeah. for the audacity. <laughs> but, yeah, the audacity. But her character sucks in that. <laughs> they both suck. That's the whole point. Right, they're yeah. They're, they're, they're tough. And then... Um, Back when the AV Club could produce cultural, rel- culturally relevant things, she, the Manic Pixie Dream Girl archetype that she embodies in that movie. Yep. You know, it's a thing. It was a thing in indie movies for a long time. It was. They had some good shots. And uh, what's his face? Christina Hendricks' ex-husband is there doing fun stuff. So I immediately thought about Mad Men and that, like, um, the soldier guy oh, yeah. who's like, really <laughs> shitty to her to her character and it's like well, oh you met the real person it's the it's the guy in super troopers that eats the weed in the backseat oh i got I you can't. jeffrey Aren. he's also in the ringer he's the one that yells when the fuck did we get ice cream <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah those are good picks i i um would try and match channing tatum Ooh. with somebody who mm, i don't know really broad but anyone who dances because someone should dance with that man oh like maybe no one has do you go to um what's her face uh for the stair mike's movie the the magic mike movies he's always dancing on women yep um his dance scene in hail caesar is just with other dudes Mm mm-hmm you know, let that boy dance with a lady. Have that dude, have that dude spin uh, Grace Kelly like a top. Yeah. <laughs> Could be great. He's, what he's about, very successful. Yeah. He seems like he's had a, you know, a career that he's probably very happy with, but you know, talk about guys born at the wrong time. Yeah. Cause that skill set is not used. With like a uh, Demi Moore. I think that'd be oh, good. Oh, I like that. I, I like think that, that would work out a lot. I, I think that would work out very well. Because if you're saying Tatum's born in the wrong time, so to speak, he's kind of overshadowed. But I think he's an otherwise pretty good actor, and I think it'd fit right in in that sort of Brat Pack era. Yeah, yeah, I agree. 
I also just love the concept of putting Channing Tatum as he is in like step up, like just direct, like Pleasant Bill style, just plopping him in like 50s. So you have like just some, I don't know, some like woman who was like 20 in the 50s just being like, well, that sounds swell. I'd love that, Pa. And then like Channing Tatum from like 2002 shows up with no shirt and she literally just says, oh, fuck. Celebrities born in 1930 (laughs) include Gene Hackman. Okay, well, not him. (laughs) Oh my God, that's right. He's still alive. He's like 98 years old. He's not looking so uh, hot. Tippy Hedren? I could do a tip. I think Tippy Hedren and Channing Tatum would be a very interesting movie. Yeah, Gina Rowlands, maybe? Tippy Hedren could finally be matched with someone who didn't look like he was 64 years old. Uh, Clint Eastwood? Nope. (laughs) Connery? It's mostly men that were born in 1930, according to these lists. Yeah, well. (laughs) Robert Loggia? Robert Loja. <laughs> All right, what if we max Robert Loja? <laughs> All right, I got it. I got. I needed to get to a funny one before we could stop. <laughs> Robert Loja like, and Meg Ryan. <laughs> looks like Loja killed, so it's good. When, when you think of Robert Loja, you think leading man in a rom com. <laughs> I do, certainly. <laughs> He's in uh, big. <laughs> He's there. He's there. Anyway. Um, I feel bad that he's just a family guy punchline for like most millennials. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's it. I mean, it was a very funny family guy bit. <laughs> family guy has a few. Yeah, they got a few. Anyway. Uh, how do we get out of that? We don't. Um, we don't. What was our best one? What do we think the best one was? I really like Demi Moore and Channing Tatum. I thought I that was. Too. I thought that was sick. That just makes sense. <laughs> it does, and like he's a soldier, of course, <laughs> and he's and she's like yeah. has some very important job that's either military or not pending. I don't want to make yeah. it too much like GI Jane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. His head's way more in the shape of a jar than Gyllenhaal's. Yeah, missed opportunity for him. Gyllenhaal had a weird career. Like you could just put the period there, but I was kind of meaning towards the beginning, but remains so. Apparently, yeah. he just the uh, production just shut down on one of his movies because he was being too erratic. Oh wow, who'd have thought? Yeah, he's anyway. like the only person in the world that wants to be like Jared Leto. <laughs> I know. Just be you, dude. <laughs> yep, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> like he's he's not, but he wants to be weird so bad. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's fair. Yeah. All right. Well, Great Taylor Swift song out of it. <laughs> sure. Fair <laughs> enough. All right. Well, I think we are just about wrapping up. So thank you to Sam and Anthony for being on this episode. Of course. Thanks for having Thanks, us. Thanks, Ben. No. Don't problem. drive angry. Oh, I'll try not to. Uh, you can find our stuff on Linktree, linktr.ee slash late to the movies. And you can find us on your podcast feed next week. Thanks for listening. And uh, you already had a better sign off. So I'll just say bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks, guys.